session with Dr. Farid Hulaku. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Farid Hulakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Farid Hulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 3104410555. Want to announce the book of the week again? Um, I announced it Monday night and just posted a picture on my Twitter and Facebook. It is Mindset, the New Psychology of Success by Carol S. Dweck. Mindset by Carol S. Dweck. So hope you hope you will join me in reading this book, and I'll be discussing it uh, next week on Monday night's show. Now, a topic I've I cover a lot and have been bringing it up a lot lately has been meditation. And so maybe to some of the listeners, you might think I'm talking about it too much. But the reason why I'm talking about it so much is because it is so helpful, and research is showing us time and time again really how important and useful it is. And to me, although it still isn't something widely accepted or accepted enough, it is becoming much more popular and recognized as something that is beneficial for everyone to meditate. The way I see it, the research is showing us that it's similar to the physical exercise we do for our health, for our physical health. It's similar to that for our mental health. So it's like doing exercise where now I don't think anyone needs to tell you that exercise is good for you because it's so widely accepted and universal that it almost seems a waste of time to say that exercise is good for you. Maybe people will talk about new research showing new types of exercise or new ways, but it's accepted that we all should do it or we're all trying to do more of it. I think we should make meditation the same way, that recognize it is something that is so beneficial in so many ways um, that really we need to incorporate it in our lives and make sure we find the time for it. And probably the one of the top two things I hear about why people don't meditate, one is just like physical exercise, I don't have the time for it. And two, it's things such as, does it work? Or I don't think I can do it or it doesn't really work for me, things of that nature. Now, a new uh, article I saw about a new study that was actually conducted not too far away from our Radio Hamra studios at UCLA. Um, the title of this article is Meditators Have Younger Brains. And now what they did was they compared uh, people who were meditating regularly, and actually these were people that had done it for many years. The average was for 20 years, although some had done it for as few as four and some as much as 46. But they compared the brains of meditators with those that were non-meditators, people who did not meditate. And what they saw was that when they compared their brains, the brains of the meditators appeared much younger than those who did not meditate. How much so? Well, when they looked at those who were around 50 years of age, 
they found that those who were meditators, their brains appeared 7.5 years younger at the age of 50 compared to the non-meditators, seven and a half years. And they, they did this using um, something they called the brain age index. So they uh, scanned the brains and they are able to look at how brains tend to age, um, including losing tissue in certain aspects and losing connectivity and things of that sort. And they saw that the brains of those who meditated were that much younger appearing. And to me, again, this is such a, a perfect parallel to exercise. When we regularly physical physically exercise, our bodies stay younger and healthier. And if you look at the body of someone who is 50 years old and who regularly exercises, it'll likely look several years younger than someone who does not exercise. So again, here we're seeing that this is essentially part of the exercise for the brain. And it's not um, something that some people like or some Eastern philosophy type of thing that has no basis to it. No, there's more and more science showing us that absolutely there are so many reasons for us to do it. So imagine that your brain being younger because of something you do that might take just several minutes a day, maybe 15 minutes a day. And the article itself talks about how we need to do more research to understand exactly why it's doing it or how it's making people younger, how much meditation is necessary, things of that nature. But they provide some possible explanations as to why this is happening. First of all, um, to meditate, you have to do a lot of concentration and it requires focused attention. And this can stimulate growth um, in the brain and neural structures and also promote the connectivity, keeping things um, connected. So that's possible. Another possibility is that because uh, meditation reduces stress, this actually might make it so that there's less stress on the brain and there's less of the issues related to chronic stress that might um, lead to inflammation or different types of issues that might produce aging in the brain. So I hope everyone listening takes that very seriously, that Again, meditation is not just something for some people or something that um, some people think is useful and we have no research behind it. There is so much research showing us how important meditation is. And I keep harping that because I hope more and more people will incorporate it into their days. And just like physical exercise, if you don't plan on it or if you don't make it a priority, you'll find that you, quote unquote, don't have time for it. But we have to make it a priority. And by talking about all these different studies that show its importance, I'm hoping to convince people that it's important enough to make it uh, a priority. It's important enough for us to do so. So also looking at why meditation works or how it works, we know that it helps calm the mind. Or to put it in another way, we have our brain, which is um, like any type of machine. If we look at it, it can expend a certain amount of energy at a given time. But when we're not focused, when we're not in the moment, when we're not able to sharpen our attention, a lot of that energy is being expended in directions that don't go towards progress or not on the task at hand. So it's like we're running in a wheel, so we keep running and running and running, but we don't get anywhere. We don't get very far. Or it's like having your phone with a lot of apps running, and that's using a lot of the power of the phone as far as what it can do, the processing that it can do, but 
um, it doesn't really do you any benefit. So by closing those apps, you're able to use more of the processing speed. Similarly, when we remove all the distractions that our brain tends to have, we can focus a lot more on the moment and have a lot more to do. I also like this quote by uh, Eric Fromm, which relates to this, this idea that most of the time we're not really focused or present in the moment. And actually because of that, we can't do what we need to do. But what he says is the paradoxical situation with a vast number of people today is that they are half asleep when awake and half awake when asleep or when they want to sleep. So when we are awake, we're half asleep. And many of you might feel this, that you're tired during the day, uh, you're a little bit sluggish, it's hard for you to focus and concentrate, you feel like you have to keep distracting yourself with things that are not important because you can't focus your energy. And then when it comes time to sleep, you have a hard time sleeping because your mind is racing and thinking about things, worrying about tomorrow, thinking about something that happened during that day that you're trying to figure out, and you're not actually in the moment. So in e neither one of those situations are we in the moment. But if we're able to be fully awake when we're supposed to be awake and then be prepared to sleep and allow our brains to, to shut itself off as far as the, think, the extra thinking that it's doing, well, then we'll be much happier and feel a lot better about our lives. And again, the research is endless, um, not literally, but there is so much on how much it can help, including reducing our stress. Uh, meditation helps improve your concentration, your memory and attention. So if you're anyone, but especially a student, think how much better you can learn if you practice meditation, just even um, a handful of minutes a day. Also, meditation helps us become more in touch with ourselves, increases our self-awareness, and there's research showing that it can increase your happiness and decrease depression and anxiety. I mean, I hope that's a pretty big sell in and of itself. Increasing your happiness, something that we all want to feel better, but also decreasing depression and anxiety. And so I regularly recommend meditation to clients I see in therapy um, for any reason, just again, it's like exercise. It's not bad for anyone, but in particular, if you're dealing with depression and anxiety, and most of us are looking for a quick fix. People come in and they say, I feel this way, whether it's I'm anxious or I'm feeling really sad. How do I stop that feeling? We're looking for a quick fix. And because of that, we'll hope for some kind of answer or we'll turn to some kind of drug, whether it's a recreational drug or a pharmaceutical drug, psychiatric drug, to take away the feeling. And Meditation is not that. Um, again, using the analogy of the physical body, it's just like if you want to get in shape or lose weight, you can take some extreme pills or things that might allow you to lose weight in an unhealthy way. And if you try to do a healthy diet and exercise, you'll lose weight maybe slowly, but in a healthy way. So it's the same kind of thing. With meditation, it's not going to give you some instant result. And if you think I've done it once, something should change but it will allow you to strengthen yourself in a genuine way and in a healthy way that will take some time. So you'll see some positive effects reducing things like depression and anxiety, but be ready that it takes some time. Um, you know, we can use that same analogy. It's like if you're very out of shape and someone says exercise will help you and you go have one workout and you come home and say, I'm not in shape now. What was the point of that? It's the same thing with meditation. We have to be patient with it. Um, but the good news is not incredibly patient because research shows that you can see changes in the brain in as little as eight weeks. So it's not something that you have to do forever to see a change, but it does uh, force us or 
cause us to have this mindset that we can't just change things instantly, that I can't want to be different and have my depression go away by doing just one thing. It's going to be a process. But again, it can be that significant to your mental health to improve um, your mood and decrease your depression and your anxiety. And as I was just talking about in this study, which I'll be posting on my Facebook page, and I think really is incredible, showing that it's essentially slowing down the aging of the brain, that by meditating, spending 15 minutes a day, we can actually slow down the process of aging. And I'm wondering if they've done any studies on um, looking at dementia or Alzheimer's and if it has any effect there as well, because um, it can make sense because those are related to the brain as it ages also. So check out this study that was done at UCLA. I'll post that on my uh, Facebook page probably this evening about how meditators were found at the age of 50 to have brains that appeared seven and a half years younger than non-meditators. And they also found that um, for every year after the age of 50, their brains were about a month and a half younger. So it's taking off maybe 10% during that aging process of how the, the, the uh, brain typically ages. So if you haven't tried meditation before, I highly recommend giving it a try. There's so many ways to do it. There is a free app called Headspace um, that some people find helpful because it guides you in that process. A lot of people in trying something new like meditation might not know where to start, and that's not a bad place to start. It's called Headspace, and I know um, it's free for the iPhone, and I'm sure it's free on other apps or other phones as well. So if you haven't tried it before, give meditation a shot. You'll be doing yourself a favor. It's like exercising for your brain. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number is 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tulakwi. We'll be right back. Back studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Um, yes. Hello, Doctor Halakuri. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, thanks for calling. Um I'm calling regarding my daughter. She is almost twelve years old. Okay. Um, and I have a couple of questions. It's not just one issue. I have a couple of issues that right. um I would like to do it, and I try to do it, be as quick as possible. That's all right. Don't worry about that. Now, let me ask you, Does uh, do you have any other children? I, I do. I have an 18-year-old son. Uh-huh. Okay. So their age difference is almost seven years. Almost seven years. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So um, what the issue that I uh, want to ask you, the first question I have is that she is picking the skin around her nails, picking and pulling them to the point that uh, she's making them bleed sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and this has started, uh, I've noticed that it started about uh, 10 months ago, 11 months ago. Um, it was mild. It was just not noticeable until recently that she had picked it up uh, to the point that she kind of makes it bleed and then she stops. 
um, the skin heals, and then she starts again. Mm. So um, I know this is due to anxiety. Um, But then what I have tried to do um, is I I have tried really hard not to shame her or make her feel guilty. Good. Or kind of punish her, or become show that I'm upset or angry. So um, instead, I have tried to tell her that this is something that other people might um, kind of um, deal with, and sometimes it's even out of her control. Because I tell her that I do understand that even though sometimes she wants to stop, she can. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I tried in the beginning, I suggested to her to, uh, I, I bought band-aids, uh, put it around the house, and I told her whenever you feel like you're doing this, maybe this will help you. If you cover them with band-aids, maybe uh, your mind will kind of stop. Um, that works sometimes that she puts them on, but I've noticed that recently she doesn't even want to put them on. Mm. So then I told her, let's go buy like those stress balls, Maybe if you want to, if, if, like, uh, play with your fingers, maybe if you play with those stress balls, um, work for a day or two, and then she just put it aside. She didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I suggested that maybe this is something that I um, we cannot, I told her that I understand you cannot deal with it and it's okay. How about we ask someone, like a specialist, that could help us? And I make it as something that it's you when it's your problem. Like, mm-hmm. how, well, let's go to a specialist. Sometimes people go to specialists uh, for suggestions, something we might not know how to deal with. And then, uh, you know, she knows that I listen to your program, mm-hmm. and sometimes you listen together. So I said, do you want, do you want to talk to Dr. Holopi mm-hmm. about this? And she said, no. Okay. Then I said, um, do you want me to ask for you? And she still said, no, of course, she doesn't know that I'm calling right now. Well, which I, you know, which I don't really like then, because, you, 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 you know, this is something sometimes parents do. They ask without really asking, or they're asking even though they don't, they want to make it seem like they care what the child says, but they really don't. Not that you don't care, but you're going to go ahead and do what you want. So, you know, you're doing a lot of things right um, as far as you're very sensitive to her, you're not trying to make her feel judged or shamed by it in any way, which is good, uh, because it is essentially out of her control. It doesn't mean it can't change or we can't do anything about it, but we don't want to think like she's purposely doing it or blame her for that. It's something that she does, as you mentioned yourself, based from based on anxiety, and it's a self-soothing kind of a behavior, uh, and it's repetitive, and it has some kind of calming force to her, but of course... Unfortunately, with these types of things, the individual themselves feels some type of guilt or shame about that or embarrassment about what they are doing. But, you know, even right now as we're talking about it, the fact that you asked her and she said no, if you hadn't even asked her, it might have been a little bit more okay because you're trying to get some advice from yourself. But since you specifically asked her, um, you know, even it makes me a little bit uncomfortable that we're not respecting what, what she wanted. Um, I totally understand, and then uh, if I had any idea of what else to do, I probably would have tried not mm-hmm. calling you, but <laughs> I'm at the point that I think probably she, I need to take her to see some kind of specialist, like child psychologist. This is 
the next step that I was thinking about. Um, and the reason I'm actually calling you is that this is a very thin line for me. At this point, I don't know how to approach this. So if uh, I tell her that I don't want her to feel more anxiety on top of what she's already feeling mm -hmm. by introducing this idea that there's something wrong and you need, I need to take you see someone. And at the same time, um, I don't know how to help her deal with the anxiety. So uh, in my opinion, this is only my opinion, it's very uh, helpful at this point if a specialist, a child psychologist could kind of weigh in and I could get their advice. Maybe there are ways that they could help that as a parent I have not been um, successful. But I don't know how to do that at this point. Okay. I don't know if I should tell her or if I should. And then the second question is, how do I find a good psychologist? I mean, I've been, I've been to therapists before myself, and like any other profession, not all over around all professions, you have people who are competent and people who are not. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure. Sorry, and I, well, I mean, have just to get to that part, you know, well, the first part of that question is actually that first she has to want to see someone, of course, you know. So even like I said, for us talking, you know, there's something about it that doesn't feel quite right to me because you asked her specifically. You know, if you asked her if she wants to talk to me, she said no, and then you thought, well, I want to get some help for myself. I, I might call, even if you didn't tell her necessarily, not that you would hide it from her. That would be more okay. But you specifically asked her, can I call and ask about you? And I can understand she doesn't want you to talk about her. You know, of course, we don't want her identity to be revealed in any way. That's up to her whether or not we talk about it. But because of some of the issues you brought, I don't want to even talk specifically about her, but the generals of what you brought up, because a lot of parents deal with these kinds of issues, even, even if it isn't specifically this type of issue. Um, but as far as the psychologist goes, again, the first and most important thing is she has to want to go. So it can't be, you know, something I'm hearing from what you're doing. I think you, you seem like you're very educated and well-versed in a lot of these psychological issues and how to deal with children and how to talk to them. But you have to also be aware that there's something, a difference between a technique and genuine, genuinely feeling what you're saying. So when you tell her, I don't really not that i don't care but whatever you want to do we're going to do then you have to genuinely believe that or else don't tell her that so if she doesn't want to do anything about this you guys don't do anything about this and you have to really believe that not just say it to her as well this is the right thing to say to make her feel that she's empowered and has control i'm going to tell her that she can tell us you know dictate what we're going to do if you really tell her that you have to feel that and believe that which is exactly what we saw in this case. We said, okay, let me ask her if she's okay with us talking with Dr. Halakwi. And she said no, but then you, you decided to call, right? So yeah, when you yeah. talk to her about this issue, you know, for me, first of all, you're right. The, what we're seeing with the skin picking is itself an issue, but more um, a symptom of something, in a way we can say bigger, or the what's going on inside of her, which is anxiety. Now, of course, then this, you know, the skin picking or in other cases, it can be something else, can turn it to its own animal, and that can become a big issue. But underneath that, there seems to be anxiety, and my guess would be that she was an anxious child in other ways, too, that this wasn't out of the blue. Is that right? Um, yes, true. Uh, 
true. And uh, let me just uh, quickly say why I did go against her desire okay. of not talking. There, it there had there's a history about that. And as I mentioned, it's uh, as a parent, I'm getting to the point that I. So even though I try to educate myself in a lot of different fields, I'm at the point that I do not know what to do or what's the next step. That's why I call. Mm -hmm. uh, a quick background history about her is that she, when she was born, she was like up to three years old. She was a very unhappy child. She was born with that temperament of mm -hmm. not being happy and satisfied. And she was crying all the time even though um, all her needs were met as an infant. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom, so I was a caregiver. I was trying to always be present. She was colicky in the beginning, but she got better. Um, but she was very unhappy all the time and always kind. That made me feel like I was walking on eggshells. Yeah, and also what I'm hearing, uh, I'll be honest, something I'm hearing you know, in your tone is that there's almost an anger at her for being upset. Like, I'm doing everything right. Why are you still not happy? Exactly. You're absolutely right on the point. Yeah. And that's something yeah. that, because, and that's the thing is that, you know, so that would tell us that when you see her nails the way they are, you, that's to you an indication that I'm being a bad mom. So either you're going to internalize that on yourself, like I'm doing something wrong, or my daughter is wrong, when really, or bad, and neither one of them is really the case. Um, you know, this is something that's going on. I understand it's not pleasant, and of course, as much as you don't like it, I care much more about what your daughter feels and what she goes through related mm -hmm. to this. And But it's not something that uh, we have to, you know, I feel like you're thinking, I have to get rid of this now, because again, it's some kind of indication of something being wrong. And you're, you know, you talk about her temperament. You're right. Children are born with different temperaments, and they don't choose it themselves either, and neither do their parents. Um, and you talked about, you know, being unhappy. And to me, it's even more about frustration tolerance, like, or you know, the, the tolerance of discomfort. So some kids, you know, we can even see it like they just can't, you know, just little things can make them feel very uncomfortable, and they cry. And other kids, they might be going through that same thing, and they don't react to it. Again, it's not a choice; it's just the way they're wired. And so for your daughter, yeah, maybe she has a lower frustration tolerance. And that's why, you know, even with the anxiety, she's not sure, exactly sure how to deal with it. And then she goes to the, the skin picking to try to calm herself down. And unfortunately, it does work to a degree in that it might it's going to soothe her in the moment. But then she has this new issue now that she has to deal with of her, her fingers and, and all that. And then we want to make sure as the parents and people around her, we don't make her feel bad about that. But I think you're trying very hard not to. But you are going to show her that in implicit ways and explicit ways. And your daughter, very likely being that she has the temper you described, is a sensitive child and will pick up on things. So if she feels like I'm disappointing mom, you know, that's going to hurt her even more. I'm doing something wrong or bad. That's going to hurt her. So I want you to really be um, aware of that. And even if she doesn't go to therapy and we can talk about that. I would suggest if you're not going to go for yourself to help you in dealing with this issue and dealing with yourself and all of that to help make sure you are making sure you're not giving her your own anxiety or feelings or you can do that as little as possible because that's only going to make things worse. Um, I do totally understand and I, I agree that uh, it's very difficult to 
kind of hide it. Even even mm-hmm. I, we try to do. When I try not to become uh, sensitive and emotional, probably explicitly it doesn't come out, but implicitly. But mm-hmm. um, regarding the fact that you said, I feel that this is wrong or what she's doing wrong, it's, you know, it's past that point. I'm more, at this point as a parent, I'm more worried about her state of mind and her health mm-hmm. uh, because, um, like, at this, it, it, the, the skin picking is one of the least, boys that I have, she's very isolated. She doesn't mm. have friends. So this is, when I'm seeking help now, it's just not because I want her to stop doing this and I think this is bad or this is wrong. It's it's the total picture of her personality mm-hmm. um, that it, I see that it's becoming more, I can see more signs and symptoms that are adding up together um, that at this age, I think it, uh, it, I found, find it hard as a parent to know what is the right approach to hold this whole personality. Like, she has anxiety. She has perfectionism in her. She doesn't make friends. She does not want to participate in anything. That was my other question. Mm. She just, like, I have... Um, even though as a child I have been a perfectionist, perfectionist child and parent, but as you can see, I have been, as an adult, I have become to become very aware of this. And then, so trying very hard, I have tried not to do this to my kids, so I have offered them all the possibilities and see what they like, what mm-hmm. they kind of get attracted to. So going back to her when she was a younger uh, I would offer, do you want to do gymnastics? Do you want to do ballet? Do you want to do dance? Do you want to do art, like drawing? I have offered her all these different possibilities, not trying to just focus on academics and Mm -hmm. push her. But she's not interested in anything. Mm -hmm. The only thing she's interested and she has shown interest in is sports, and that's because I see that she's modeling, modeling that from her brother. And she, she's only interested in what my son is doing or has been doing in the past. Now, does she seem to enjoy the sports, though? I mean, do you really feel like she enjoys it? She really enjoys it. Oh, good. Sports. So, I mean, I wouldn't just look at it as m- m- modeling like it's something negative. It can be okay. You know, even when I think about my brother, he was like three years, not even three years older than me. You know, I think a lot of the things I got into at a young age was because of him, like basketball and the Lakers and a few other things like that. And But then I really genuinely enjoyed them to myself, and I still do. So, you know, I wouldn't think of it as, well, this is something bad because it's not coming from her. But, yeah, maybe she does look up to her brother, and that might influence her a little more. But if you see her then doing it and enjoying it, it's not just because she's trying to be like her brother. She actually now found an activity she enjoys. And if you're saying it's so hard for her to find that, I would really not do anything to get in the way of that in any way. It's okay. Well, she loves sports. That's wonderful. Let's, you know, encourage that or support her in that process in any way, in any way that we can. Now, what sports does she play? Soccer. Okay. She likes soccer. She likes to play soccer. Uh, It is very great, but even in that area, the other day I pulled up the computer, I found a soccer club in Mm -hmm. our area, like FFPS, something that kids play. 
I showed her the picture. I said, do you want me to sign you up? Because she plays soccer at school. And she said, I don't like this club. Okay, did you ask her why? Something, there's something in her that makes her stop and hesitate in participating yeah. in anything. Well, it seems like there's a lot of, like, uh, almost like fear of trying, fear of failing, fear of all sorts of things, maybe even in social interactions. There, there's something. So, I mean, I'm getting a little bit more of a picture of this, of your daughter, and she seems like a very sweet girl, but one who's almost in her mind probably dealing or living in a very scary world. Um, exactly. And, and that's, that's why I'm yeah. concerned at this point. Which I can now understand. I can see I can understand. I no, I understand your concern, people. yeah. And I yeah. can understand your concern from the beginning. I just want to make sure we approach it, obviously, in the best way. Now, we're at a commercial break, but I want to talk some more about your sweet girl with you. So just hang on line. We'll talk after the break, okay? Thank you so All much. Right. I appreciate it. Sure. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delac. We will be right back. Back before the break, we were with the caller. Let's go back to Kerr. Radio Hamra, you're on the air still. Are you there? Um, I'm still here. All right. Okay. So we were talking about your daughter, almost 12 years old, and you are um, very concerned about her. Seems to she's dealing with a lot of anxiety, uh, amongst other things. Um, and before the break, you were talking about her playing sports, and I think that's that's wonderful. And um, you know, almost the way you said it sounded like it was a bad thing. Like it's the only thing she likes, unfortunately, sports. When I think that's a great thing. Is there any issue you have with her liking sports as opposed to other things? Uh, no, at all. Not okay. at all. If, okay. if she shows interest, she, she shows it. But then again, when it comes to participating and when she's in a team, she's happy. Mm -hmm. But starting, becoming part of that team. Signing up for that. Sure. That's the, so every right. time, uh, and we have to understand this is part of her personality. Something new is scary. Some you know, meeting new people, doing a new thing, something out of the routine. It's scary for her. So we have to walk with her down that line, understanding where she's coming from. That it's always going to be scary for her. So this is the same thing. Some parents will, you know, they have an anxious or a shy kid, and they say, you know, every time I try to take him to a friend's birthday party. You know, he says, no, I don't want to go, and I'm scared, it's going to be bad, they're going to laugh at me, all these things. And then when he's there, within 10 minutes, he's running around having a great time. And then next week, the same thing. And they almost get upset, like, look how much fun you're having, but, you know, when you get there, why do you make it so difficult? But we have to understand, it's still scary for them each time they're doing this new thing. And we can't just say, well, because once you get there, it's fun, you should understand that and not care anymore, you know, or not be scared anymore. So... We have to be aware, okay, when it's time for a new season or when we bring it up, at first she's going to say no. Or at first she's going to say, I don't want to, or I'm nervous, or however she avoids it. And you kind of just stay with her and you understand that she's going to be anxious about it. But you try to make her more more comfortable and give her that. And you can even tell her, yeah, I know you seem nervous about 
starting the new team and it can be a little bit scary with new people. But do you remember how last year when we were starting the season, how did you feel? And she hopefully could remember and tell you, oh, yeah, I was really nervous or I was scared. And like, yeah, I remember that, too. And then but by the middle of the season, you had a lot of fun. Right. And then let her tell you about her own experience. So, you know, don't be discouraged or blame her for having this anxiety each time you're trying something new. But then that uh, brings this question, how much do I push? Well, because uh, let's say, yeah. I can give you an example, like she was, we were going to a birthday party and I take her not because she has to go, I take her because otherwise she's going to stay home and watch something on TV and then she will not socialize. Um, so I had to, we had to, maybe it was a flight for 45 minutes. Um, now, see, why does it have to there, be a... F- okay, but a fight sounds like it's a... You know... Okay, but go ahead. Tell me the story. Crazy. We'll talk about it. Yeah. I had... To be, and then I was questioning myself in the midst, midst of all that. I was trying not to show her that I was getting upset. I was just trying to be persuasive and tell her how last time we went and it was fun and how everything, when she wants to do it, she hesitates and... And she's happy. Just bring up all these past experiences. Uh, it got to a point that she started crying. She said, "I don't want to go." Hmm. But I, at that point, not because I wanted to be right or win this argument, because I just didn't want to leave her home again. Because she seemed frightened and scared, and she's not two or three. She's eleven, and they're all girls over there. So I, but you know, even in the way you say that, there's a judgmentalness. Um, so you're not, yeah. you're almost not validating what she's feeling as that's what she's feeling. I, I yes, if you ask me in, in, a, in a regular situation, I'd say I would hope she would go to a party or any 11-year-old goes and spends time. But I wouldn't say if they don't want to go, it's somehow really bad and we have to do everything we can that they have to be there at this party. And it, it seems like, but, you know, but finish what, you know, so she was crying and you said you were trying to convince, in a way, persuade her still to go. So I persuade, I tried to kind of bribe her, not in bad way, just giving her some ideas of what we could do after that she liked. She still said, no, it got to the point that I just knew this is not working and it's not worth because I'm trying to get her out of the house and it's not working and she's going through all this anxiety. I told her I'm going by myself to stay home. To her bir- to her birthday party? No, it was not hers. It was her friend. I know, but I mean to her friend's birthday. Okay. But so you were yeah, going to leave her at home. Go. So it was a punishment. Uh, no, not as a punishment. No? I just didn't know what else to do. It was not for me. I mean, it was a child's birthday party. Right. So, I mean, that's I why I feel like you didn't... It wasn't like you genuinely wanted to be there. It was in some way a punishment, like saying, well, I'm going to go without you. And also showing her that going is like the right thing to do. So I'm going to go because that's what we're supposed to do. You're going to sit at home doing the bad thing. Um, honestly, at that point, that just did not cross my mind. That was not the feeling. I was just so at the end of my road. I just thought this is too much on her. I don't want to put more stress on her and stay home with her. So then I just wanted to separate separate myself, not to give her some feelings that I was feeling. That was the only reason I thought, I'm going to go. 
so she won't see what's going on inside me, all this worry. Yeah, which, I mean, I so I could understand where you were coming from there, but that's where, if I had to take a step back from that or even before that, the mindset you had that she has to go was putting too much pressure on the situation and then on you that when it wasn't working you were kind of getting to the point where you wanted to pull your hair out and you think you can't even be around your daughter or else you're going to hurt her more and so exactly. that's why I would so I would say before you know when it comes to the party you know I think now next time there is a party it's going to be an anxiety uh, you know provoking situation because you both already know okay what's going to happen this time but I would remove this idea that I as a mom have to get my daughter inside of that party no matter what and I'm gonna try whatever I can to get her there to pers persuade her to get there but at the same time I want to make her feel like she has control over the situation because you're you're kind of saying one thing but acting in a different way so you're trying to say you know mommy it's up to you if you want to go you don't want to go this is your party but that's not what you really mean and so this is another time where I'm hearing that your intentions and the way you're expressing it are not matching up. And for a child okay. who has anxiety, that's actually going to create even more anxiety because they don't know what's going on, what to expect, what's happening. So if you genuinely are saying it's okay if you don't want to go or you don't have to go, then that has to be the case. Or if you're genuinely saying if you don't want to stop picking your nails, you don't have to stop or it's not bad in my eyes, you have to mean that. And to me, yes, if I see your daughter's hands and there's scabs, I feel bad not that I judge her in any way. I feel bad for her that she's, one, feeling that much anxiety that it makes her do that, and two, that maybe she doesn't like the way it can make her hands feel. But I don't, in, in any way that I interact with her, I wouldn't hope she felt anything different about how I think about her. And I really don't see her as different. I see it as some type of pain, some type of suffering. Or as if I saw someone who had, um, you know, just gone through some kind of medical treatment and was, let's say they went through chemo or they went through something, I wouldn't judge them. I would have compassion for them, but I wouldn't judge them negatively in some way for that. When I see her, I would say this is something out of her control and she probably doesn't feel very good about it. And so I would not try to get her to do things as much. So I'm, I'm feeling definitely a controlling um, attitude from you that is going to only hurt this situation because you're going to create power struggles with your daughter that'll make her fight even when it's not about the issue it's about winning the fight um, and going back and forth so even when it comes to getting help for her if she feels like it's coming from you and you're trying to control her she's going to fight back even if maybe she wants help or thinks it can help her because she feels like she's fighting with you especially in this feeling of I'm not good I'm bad I make mommy mad I'm the problem I don't know how her brother was but probably easier than her the way you're describing things and she sees all those things so you know I would really let go of this tendency or this desire to control what's happening she might pick her nails the rest of her life I, I mean again I'm not saying I want that or I'm going to promote that but it's it can happen people do that and they can be okay she can be happy and successful and things can be all right now, if and when she ever wants to do something about it, she can, and it'll still be difficult. These things are not easy to change. It's kind of like an addiction. You know, it's not something that's just simple, but it, it's definitely possible. But it has to be fully coming from her. And if anything, I would say rather than trying to get her to do this or get that, when it comes especially to these issues of, of um, going to the party, but even about the nail picking, 
you want to connect with her pain and let okay. her tell you how she feels about it if and don't harp it or make it a big deal but i think clearly what i would even want you to think about is how many different agendas do i have for her right now because there's a lot to see a psychologist to be more social to go to art classes she has to do there's a certain checklist of things that you have and you're trying to guide your interactions with her to end there rather than really being with her and see where the interactions go yes is it good for her to be more social i absolutely agree and i understand you having that on your mind but to put so much pressure on an individual party to where it becomes kind of this stressful disastrous thing between mom and daughter and Maybe she even feels like you abandoned her when you leave. I'm so bad. Mommy doesn't want to be around me. I disappointed mommy again. Uh, you know, all those negative things. And you're already describing her as a perfectionist. Think about how painful that must be for her. So the pressure is, is becoming too much on these small things because you're so fixated on um, everything looking or being a certain way or going in a certain direction. And, uh, you know, you have the perfectionism in yourself, too, clearly. And so it's, you're getting very fixated on these things. And to me, each time you see her nails, it's a reflection of you being a poor parent, which it's not, is not the case. Okay. So, um, at, at this point, I, that's your suggestion is not to push her or not, I don't even push not to, but no, you do push her. her. I, I definitely feel, I mean, I think you think you're not pushing cause you don't say you have to go now. But you do it in different ways. You do it in a more discreet, but it's still, you know, clearly trying to push her in a certain way. I mean, again, even the way you were describing it, her part, this party, the way you were saying it is like, she has to be there. How do I get her there? Not just, I think it's better if uh, she but, goes. You know, that yes. was an example of like after many years that I've tried to kind of not pick anything and just let her be. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm reacting the way I'm reacting now and becoming a little bit, like, frantic is because I have tried to be just supportive and observant, mm -hmm. but I've seen that that has made her more isolated. Not, like before, if she didn't want to go anywhere, I would say, just fine, it's okay, and would stay home. Mm -hmm. But the more I have done that, the more she has become more isolated. She wants to stay home and then go online or watch TV. She'd rather do that. And honestly, as a parent, I don't know how to substitute that. If she's not willing to do anything else, I cannot just say, I mean, I do, I think there's like a limited amount of time we can watch something. Mm -hmm. But if I take her, take that away, she doesn't even get persuaded to do anything. And if there was something that she was doing, I, instead of watching TV, I would not, I would care less that she mm -hmm. goes outside. But something other than going online or on TV, and amazingly, she goes online and TV and watches all competitive style uh, programs. What kind like, of sorry? What kind of programs? I missed what you said. But it's all competition. Oh, like competition! Survivor, American huh. Ninja Warrior, cooking competition, hmm. Shark Tank. So uh, that's why I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know how to. Uh, obviously, it's not healthy that she comes home and she gets online and watches. I mean, you can leave her home; she'll be happy. Well, I don't know if I'd say happy. She might be comfortable, but I don't. I don't know if it's happy. But yeah, it's interesting that she watches all those types of um, competition shows. It, it, it also might be again a reflection of perfectionism or something like 
winning and losing. It seems like she's very focused on that and being a winner, being a loser. Maybe by watching it, it's a way of, of calming herself about that. So I agree with you that it's not good for her just to stay all the time doing those things. We want to encourage her to have some social interaction. Does she have some friends that she enjoys? Um, only at school. And when I want to invite them over, she says no. Okay. Or does she say there's anything she enjoys doing with them? Um, see, that's the thing. She doesn't have friends. She, hmm. I try to provide that social environment. And she goes to school. She has a couple of friends. And I... Um, I don't push it again. I just suggest, like, what What if we invited so-and-so? And she goes, no. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to come over. Now, let me ask you, how is she in social, like, socially interacting? Does, does it seem comfortable for her? Is it difficult? Does she communicate well? Does she pick up on social cues? Like, how is she in, in interacting in general? She's very... Um, how, do, how do I put it? Intellectually, she's very advanced. Uh-huh. She really picks up on social cues. She's observant. Um, she's capable. Um, she has always been uh, ahead of her age. Um, she has gets good grades. In school, teachers are so happy with her, mm. no complaints. And they tell me that socially she interacts. Um, she's well-liked by her friends. Um the only child, the only girl that plays with boys, hmm. um, like at recess, she's out there playing sports with boys. She's the only girl. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes I even uh, we go out with school trips, and I uh, lose her, and I turn around, and she's in the field playing American football with the boys. That's and but do you do you see something wrong with that? Um, no, I don't. As long as she can, um, see, I see that as her strength. Good. I don't see that there's I, yeah, I don't, wrong I don't, with that good. aspect. It's, okay. it's her strength, but why doesn't that carry on? Mm-hmm. Like, why doesn't she want to hang out with her friends after school? Why? There's something definitely that I don't understand, that she doesn't want to socialize after school. She likes to go to her home. She doesn't like to invite them over. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, again, there's a lot of anxiety, definitely. Like, I, you know how you said she's, you can leave her home all day and she's happy, and I said comfortable. You know, the way you described her as a child, that's part of her temperament, and that's, that continues. There is, you know, there is an anxiety that she has that, um, that you know, um, she still carries over and yes she's more comfortable being home so your job is in a way not to just give into that anxiety so of course not to force her to do anything but we don't want her to just stay only in the comfort zone where um she just stays home and does nothing and yeah we don't want to challenge her in any way we want to encourage her to do things and and get out there but we have to be aware of how much pressure we're putting on her to do that so we do look okay what kind of things do you enjoy doing what does she like to do? Maybe even she wants to play American football. There's nothing wrong with that. She can find if there's a league she can play or play with the boys too. It doesn't mean she can't do certain things. Maybe her friendships look different than what you're expecting. So this is what is the hard part of where you have to allow her to be herself. But we want to try to encourage her too to do things that don't allow her only to be at home if she actually enjoys it. If, she told, if you saw at school she doesn't want to see anyone, she doesn't enjoy them, 
that would be a different situation. But it seems like she actually does want to interact with kids, but then is afraid to initiate or afraid to put herself in those situations. Now, we're at a commercial break, and I do want to talk to you a few more minutes before we conclude. I don't want to end it just abruptly like this. So hang online and let's talk a bit more, okay? Thank you so much. Sure. I really appreciate my giving ple- me all this time. Sure, my pleasure. All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Duluk. We will be right back. Back. Let's go to the caller again. Caller, are you still there? Yes, Dr. Uh, okay. I'm here. Okay. Now, you know, I realize we didn't talk much about uh, how things are in the home in general. Um, are you still with, uh, are you still married to the father of the yes. kids? Okay. How's, yes, yes. How are things in the home? Well, um, like every other Iranian household, everything looks fine. Mm-hmm. Um, um well, we have a kind of sort of a calm family. Okay. Um, what about my, it is kind husband, of sort of not calm? Uh, well, my husband is works. He's, an, he's a workaholic. Uh-huh. Um, so that creates a different dynamic as in a very harmonious type. Um, so um, I definitely... I mean, I can't start going there, but I definitely see some uh, not like broken connections there. Like uh, she doesn't have that much of a relationship with her dad. Um, um, so I don't know what else mm-hmm. to tell well, you. Well, that's a pretty that's a pretty big deal. Uh, you know, that's, yes, it is. Um, and even in the way you're dealing with things, it, it makes even more sense and we see this in a lot of Iranian families but of course not limited to Iranian families where when the mother and father don't have a great relationship especially when the father is fairly absent from the home in general then the moms end up taking too much of a interest or too much of an involvement in their kids lives because they don't have what they also need in the other area of their life and they get too focused so if you had I'm sure a better relationship and a more involved relationship with your husband, you would be less consumed by your daughter. Not that you wouldn't care, but almost what we're seeing with you and your daughter is you're too involved or trying to do too much. And of course, your daughter having her father around more and having a better relationship with her, that's going to help. Not having him there and not having that relationship with him is only going to make her anxiety worse and also make the way she feels about herself worse unfortunately that's what breaks my heart and a lot of what you're telling me is that your daughter you know seems not to have the best sense of herself and the way she feels about herself and of course this could be related to a lot of what you're seeing her experience so yes we can talk about specifically things you can do in interacting with her and they can be helpful but there's also also these bigger picture issues we should look at as as uh, your husband not being being as involved and her not having her dad. We can't minimize that significance. That's exactly true. So, But at this point, 
But I guess uh, okay. I, by, by your reaction to that, I guess you're saying yes, but there, you feel pretty helpless in that regard or that you've lost hope that that's going to well, change. No, I haven't. And I, we talk about this a lot. I mentioned to my husband that uh, he's the first, uh, not the only one, but he, he has a very big, uh, per, I mean, uh, role in how she's going to look at herself of regarding course. her self-worth and self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Because she's the first male that she has interaction with. Mm-hmm. I mean, this conversation has been going on for some time. And I really, uh, I know that if parents, each one has a role in how they affect their kids. And for girls, I know this role is very, even though mothers are caretakers and the ones who give hugs, lots of love and hug and care, but in case of girls, dads are the ones who really instill this uh, kind of uh, image of how worthy you are or how uh, precious you are and this this, uh, amount of self-confidence they have. Um, But then again, you can, you know, as as you mentioned, I try to be a partner and not a teacher, or so I can mention this uh, to some extent and really hope that this was going is going to happen. I cannot navigate it every minute of every day. Well, of course, and I'm not expecting that you can control. You know, I, can, I don't expect you to control your daughter's behavior. Not that you're supposed supposed to, and I don't think you can control your husband's behavior. I mean, I, I'm not sure how else you can talk to him about it, but I think it is important to recognize that her. I wouldn't do it in front of her at all to make her feel bad about it. But of course, the way she feels about herself and just the way the home feels and even the way you feel about your daughter and how much I think you're going to become overly invested in her um, is affected by how available he is and how involved he is. Now, if you're describing him as a workaholic, he's choosing to do that because for him, that's more comfortable um, to do. But we have to also just be aware, uh, you know, for this, it's not that I necessarily have a solution for you, but I want you to be aware of what your daughter is going through because still i get the sense there is a way that you judge her for what she experiences and wishing that she was different and making her feel that and you know you talked about a mother or being the huggy one and the affectionate one and it's not just about the affection but you really want to make sure you show her that you feel good about her and how she is that yes you see her nails and that there are scabs but that you don't see her as less beautiful or less bad or, or more bad because of that, that something's wrong with her. If she doesn't like it, yes, you care. Absolutely, you care a lot. But that you're not going to make her feel better or worse based on how her fingers look or anything else about her. So, I, you know, I want you to recognize your focus, of course, you know, you're trying to organize all these things for her, and I get that, but more is to make her feel good about herself and that she's great the way she is, that... You know, again, that party situation was a pretty big one where you, you're getting so fed up that you couldn't even control yourself or you couldn't trust yourself to not show her how upset you were or make her feel bad. And that's a big deal. We want to make sure she's feeling good about who she is. Is she struggling with certain things? Yes, and I'm sure she feels that too. But we don't want to make her feel bad about that. Again, she picks the skin on her fingers because of how she's feeling. She doesn't feel good about it and she doesn't feel good about the result. We don't want it. We don't need to make her feel any worse about it. Even in solving it, that okay, we got to solve it now. Let's try this. Let's try that. Do you want to try this? What if we try that? We'll put band-aids here. We'll do that here. Even that itself shows how big of a problem this is. Like we need to solve this now. What you're doing is so bad. It has to stop now. 
we don't want to put that pressure on her. If she says, you know, I want to try something, we say, okay, what do you have in mind? Or here, let's go research together. But I don't want you to come at her so strongly about do this, do that. You have to see a specialist. Even that word specialist, you don't need to use that word with her. It makes it seem like really you have this like unique bad problem. Something's really wrong with you. Yeah, no, I didn't use it with okay, her. I good. someone who could help. I mean, they know more about... Um, so at this point, I just do nothing. No, I mean, not talk about talking. <laughs> no, that's and that's usually you know I'll be honest. This is the classic, especially I mean I guess it's maybe many mothers, but especially when it's controlling, you know they try to control so much, and then when you say control less, they say so I do nothing at all. I let them do whatever they want. I let them go, and it's not black or white. So it's not that you're completely engaged and control everything, or you do nothing. You absolutely are going to be involved, but I would say yes, do less, and especially do less of putting pressure on her. But let me ask you this. What does she say about her hands? Um, she doesn't say anything. The only thing is hmm. I know she doesn't feel good about them. She hides okay. them. How do you know that? Okay, because she hides them. Um, she hides them because when when we were, when sometimes we're talking about it and she like she would say, I want mommy, where's the band-aid? She'll ask me because then, and I'm, I'm not um, telling her to go use it. Sometimes she comes out and asks me where the band-aids are and my husband hears that and he asks uh what are you guys talking about and she says nothing she doesn't mm. want to bring it up or sometimes he so he's not involved he doesn't really know much about these things um she he knows because i talked to him about it but uh he is not involved okay does he ever say anything about it though like her fingers or no nothing as if it doesn't exist which, you know, and that's, you know, it's one of those delicate things that we don't want to pretend like we don't see them. We want to, we don't want them to know, we don't want them to feel that we feel really badly about it. But if I'm bleeding and you pretend like you don't see it, I don't feel that good either because I don't feel like you see me. So it, it is a delicate balance where we don't want to make them feel judged about it, but we don't want to pretend like we don't see them either because then they feel like, well, I, I, you don't even know me or you don't even see who I am. And that could be painful in its own way. Especially they don't have a, you know, a close relationship. So it's it's difficult. But um, her wanting to hide very, it, we can understand. It's a very difficult situation, Dr. <laughs> no, I understand. And, and I want uh, you to recognize that you're not supposed to try to fix everything yourself. You know, it's too yes, much pressure to think you you're going to fix. reminding me. Yeah, because, that. and the yeah. reason why I'm saying that is one, yes, to hopefully allow you to feel a little bit better about yourself and what you're going through but also because then you put even more pressure on your daughter that again as i felt from you early on when you were talking about it that her, you were mad at her for her temperament you were mad at her for how she was acting why are you doing these things like why are you showing me that i'm a bad mom because i feel that strong perfectionism from yourself and your daughter has that too and you have to be aware that you're going to be modeling that kind of behavior for her too and we're reinforcing it that she needs to be a perfectionist that if you make a mistake you're bad if you're not being a perfect mom you're a horrible mom if you're not if your ch child has any problems you're a bad mom and so anything you do wrong makes mommy feel bad about herself when it's not the case all kids have stuff going on they have things going on you're not 100 percent responsible for her at all she's going to be doing a lot of things that come from her you love her and support her in everything but you're not responsible or you're not the one that's making her do anything so i would say 
pull back on the controlling part. And like I said, I would want you to think about when you're communicating with her. I can tell by how you talk, it's good. You've done your research, you read about things, you know techniques, you know how you're supposed to communicate. But in a few of the instances, I felt that what you were saying didn't match what you actually felt. So we can't just say the right things. We have to also be coming from the right place or else it's going to come across. So I can say, I don't care what you do. I don't care at all what you do. But then I care a lot and it shows once you do the thing I don't want to do. And then I realize like, oh, what she was saying wasn't actually true. So that's something your daughter is going to feel from you that mommy says she doesn't care. Or mommy tries to pretend like she feels this way, but I know she doesn't. And that's not going to help the situation. So like I said, would your daughter benefit from therapy? I think absolutely. But we we definitely can't force her or make her feel like she has to go because something's wrong with her. As I always say, someone deserves to go to therapy. We don't say they need to go. But as for yourself, I would say you deserve to go to therapy also to help you in dealing with this. Because what you're dealing with with your daughter is affecting you. But also, as you're aware, you're uh, dealing with the emotions is affecting her or your inability sometimes to hold it in is going to affect her and how she feels about it. So before she even goes in, before you keep talking to her, I would say start going to therapy yourself. Um, okay, I'll definitely uh, take that into, uh, not take it into consideration. I really would uh, think about okay. trying to find one for myself. Um, you know, trying then, is not enough though. Yes. Trying means not doing it. Yeah, or trying is lying, as they say. So if you want to see a therapist, and especially the way you're, you know, the problem is you've already shown yourself that you're a very, you know, capable person. I know you can be in therapy by the end of this week if you wanted to. So um, you can't you can't fool me or yourself about that. So if you want to go, you can go. You ha What's your hesitation? Well, actually, I'm, I'm, there's not no, no hesitation at all. I have actually worked with some therapists before. Okay. So I know good ones. And then... Um, honestly, there's nothing that will keep me away okay, um, good. from seeking therapy for myself or for any uh, other family members. Um, um, and for, I, I would actually be more um, comfortable going for myself because that's, that's something that I know that will help. Mm -hmm. And but the the part about um, me that just didn't know what to do is regarding my daughter. If I should even start this conversation or just leave it be, or that's why I was trying to get your advice. Um, well, I mean, even when it comes to starting it with her, you, you have to be aware of how much she wants to have the conversation. We, we you should only have the conversation with her if she wants to have it. But don't say, well, I have to talk to her about this you know her nails and seeing someone so we're going to have this conversation every couple of days until she sees my side because again you clearly have an agenda she no, has to see no, a therapist no, no, no. i'm not going to do that okay. and as i mentioned i brought it up and then i, ju I will just leave okay. it at that i will not bring it up for some time good when i and um, you know you want her to bring up things to you more than you bring it up to her or again you want to let her lead the conversation anytime you talk to her about something you know, make sure she's talking like three to one compared to how much you say. Because most parents don't realize how often they lecture their kids. They think they're having a conversation, but it's one-sided. The kid checks out. They're not aware of what the parent is even saying. And they don't feel good about it. So make sure she's talking more than you. If you're talking more than her, try to end the conversation. Because she's not engaged. She's either not enjoying it or something about her makes her feel bad. And we don't want to keep her in that kind of conversation. So when it comes to stuff about her... Make sure she's talking much more than you. 
Okay, I will definitely keep that in mind. Okay. Thank yeah. you, Doctor. My Lansky, pleasure. Nice talk. You take care of her, and Same you know, um, like I said, don't think too much about the immediate. Have the bigger picture, and you know, be patient with her and yourself. Definitely, I'll do that. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Back to in session with Dr. Fadi Delacroix. Let's go to our next caller, Radio Hamra. You're on the air. Hello, Dr. Holakwi. Hi. I'm calling uh, to discuss uh, uh, my son. He's uh, 11 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, just to give you some background, uh, I have three kids. He's the oldest. Uh, I have my daughter at nine and my other son at three at um, i'm sorry at um uh six so uh the um concern or the reason for my call is uh that um uh to give you more background about the family i i um my wife doesn't work so she's home mostly uh working with kids she used to be a teacher and uh, uh, the um, concern I have for my son is that recently we noticed that he's been uh, watching uh, uh, porn, mm -hmm. and um, he's uh, although he's 11, he's in kind of final stages of puberty, so. Uh, He's in 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 that respect. It's his his puberty is more uh, uh, mature than his peers. But uh, yeah, we noticed that he's he's watched porn in a period like in the in the in the. Um, my wife somehow managed to uh, uh, look at the history of his iPod, and uh, he found out that he's been watching those uh, clips for maybe a couple of weeks in the past two months. Mm -hmm. And we didn't see any sign that it's been going on before or after that two weeks. So we cannot, I cannot say that he's doing that on a regular basis. Okay. So my, uh, my uh, question for you is that uh uh first of all what are what are the damages or the negative side of watching porn for a boy at that age and uh and uh the other thing I would like to know is how do we approach this how do we kind of uh, uh talk to him which one of us you know how do we approach this and uh and uh, how do we kind of um, um, initiate the uh, conversation uh -huh. in that regard? Okay. Well, now, you know, at his age, we don't want him watching those kinds of uh, things, pornography. And unfortunately, on the Internet, it's very easy to come by, even for a, a child. 
Now, to, what you want to do, and parents should always be doing this even before you face this type of an issue, is you want to set parental controls on your child's internet browsers. And I don't know the exact ways you do that on different browsers, but I know they have those capabilities that you can block websites and certain types of websites. And so you want to do that anyway um, for all your kids because there's things they can get involved with also, but also things they can see that is not appropriate for their age yet. So we don't um, want to do that. Now, when it comes to talking to him, it probably is easier as the father to talk to the son. He likely mm-hmm. would feel more comfortable. Although when I say the word comfortable, I say more comfortable because it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation. We have to be ready for that. And you don't want to make him feel like he did something really bad because he didn't. You know, the kids are going to have this curiosity and, um, you know, kids at school talk about, oh, I saw this, I saw that. Whatever age you look at and even whatever time period, there's different ways of finding, you know, things. They would say, oh, one, one of the kids found their dad's playboy and all the kids come over and watch you know look at the picture and they you know to see what it is so the curiosity we understand so i don't want you to get upset with him and say how dare you and you did something really bad because the curiosity is natural and also we don't want to give him this judgmental and shameful view about sex and his sexuality that it was something bad that he had this curiosity so i wouldn't want to make him feel too bad about it but i would talk to him you know there's certain things that are not meant to be seen by children just like even you can tell them you know when we go to the movie theater you know how some some movies are r-rated and mommy and daddy can go and then you can go to pg or maybe pg-13 if we are there it's the same thing there are other types of movies and uh, you know things on the internet that are for grown-ups and not for children and so mommy and daddy have to make sure that your computer, you know, doesn't get those types of things on it, that you can't see those things. So I would, you know, have a conversation with him, not judging him or making him really feel bad that he did this horrible thing, which is how a lot of parents tend to react. Um, But that doesn't really help the situation other than actually make him want to see it more or just try to hide it from you more, you know. So, Yeah, and that's one reason first I ask you what are the kind of negative uh, negativity with with uh, with watching these type of movies yeah. because first I would like to know what is the what negative negativity is that for that age before I start that that conversation because if I tell him that it is not right for mm-hmm. your age at the you know then I kind of tell him that it is okay if he get older you know it is okay to or maybe such a message is, is is um, hidden in the conversation. So I would like to mm-hmm. first know what are the uh, negative side of watching porn, whether for, for adults or for Sure. Or well, you know, children. there's more and more research being done on it and looking at the effects. So first of all, for a kid, it's just not going to be right because they're seeing things that are too, um, I don't want to say advanced, but in a way not appropriate for them to see because they don't really understand it yet. And even when they see things like that, it might make them more likely to want to try to figure out what's going on or what those things are because it's a little bit hard for them to understand. So as a child, we don't want them to see it. Now, as people get older, there are some signs that watching especially excessive amounts of pornography can affect the way people view sex and relationships because the ways that pornography portrays sex are not 
generally accurate reflections of sexual experiences. And there are a lot of themes in them that are not positive, especially at times demeaning women in, in different ways. Not always, but that can be the case. So there are, is some research showing that it can affect the way people are um, in their relationships, especially their sexual relationships. But like most things, in a small dose, it's not going to have a big effect, but it can turn into even addiction or people are, are looking all the time. I wouldn't get into all of that with him because that's too much to explain, especially, again, to tell him about, oh, when you have a sexual relationship as a grown-up, if you watch too much of it, it's going to be a problem. You don't need to get into all that with him. I, un I understand what you're saying is that you don't want to just say, don't do this because it's bad and not give him a reason. And that's actually good parenting to want to not just say a rule is a rule, but try to explain the meaning and the wisdom behind the rule, that there's some reason for it, not just because I say so. But in this case, you have to be a little bit careful. You can't get into too much of the detail of, of what it's going to uh, do to him. And I wouldn't want you to think that if you say um, it's not a... You can even tell him it's not very good in general. I wouldn't make it too much of a blanket statement that you should never watch it or really shun it from him. Um, but I don't think you should think you're giving him too much permission that once he turns 18, he should watch it all the time. And he's going to think about these things. You know, kids, again, they'll, they'll talk about these things. It's not like it's just going to disappear from his awareness because of what you say or don't say um, today or whenever you talk to him. So I wouldn't get too concerned about the future of... Well, if I say something, he's going to want to watch it more, but I wouldn't make it too shameful of a conversation like, how dare you, or we caught you, or you're in trouble. I would just talk to him, and I would also look into the ways that you can um, protect his browser or his computer in general from him viewing these types of, of things there so that he just doesn't say, you know, we have to just make sure. And also, you can even tell him, you know, because of his age and because of the way the Internet works, Mommy and daddy might have to check your history every so often. So sometimes parents, one, they try to not tell their kids their tricks so that they can still check up on them, um, which I wouldn't recommend. Um, but, you know, I, I would just make it so that he's aware of that. that. You know, we have to check because also online kids can meet people or there's adults out there. Again, it's not to scare them or to scare parents, but there's people out there trying to meet kids or to interact with children and parents do have to be aware of what their kids are doing online. We can't just say, I'm all about kids having privacy, but in certain circumstances, there are ways that parents have to protect their kids. You know, I've heard of kids going on some random app where you make songs or you do something and then, you know, adults start messaging them on those types of apps, you know. So unfortunately, there are people out there that are trying to do those types of things, create relationships or interact with children in inappropriate ways. And as a parent, you do have to protect your your kids. You can't just say, I want to give my child privacy and let them figure it out. We have to make sure they're safe as well. Okay. Yeah. The, the other thing that I have noticed with him is that um, he's not shown uh, or I've not seen any sign of his interest into girls. Okay. Well, so basically, this is something that sometimes worries me. And uh, I wouldn't. To uh, be honest, yeah. To be honest, learning that he's watched those movies kind of told me that maybe I'm wrong in that in that regard because I've not seen him, you know, mingling with girls. You know, you know, he's mostly his 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 circle of friends are mostly boys. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. And, that is. Uh, 
Pardon me? I, that's how it's really going to be at uh, around 11. You're going to see that still. Yeah. Now, and, when you say uh, you're concerned, uh, were you concerned of him being gay? No. Okay. No, I don't, I don't have that impression. But the thing is that... Which I'm not concerned um, about my, anyway, but I was just wondering where your concern was. But what? So what is your concern? No. Uh, the the thing is that my uh, my wife spends a lot of time teaching him and other other my other two kids, so they work together under uh, under homework, and um, especially on those uh, um, times, I've seen my wife to be um, a bit uh, uh, how do how do we uh, kind of. A bit bossy, okay. And I was I was kind of worried that um, that uh, and the other thing I, I would like to mention about my son is that he he's he's like in in that uh, futile position where he wants to you know get things through through nagging and crying and and uh, a display of. Uh, desperation and for for that reason I was thinking that maybe the, the maybe the uh, suppression maybe I can say uh, that he feels my wife is you know restricting them on under under homework and follow up with their tasks and chores and all these things I, I was thinking that maybe that has uh, put a negative negativity or kind of a bias against uh, the opposite sex. So this is something that I would like you maybe well, to comment. Sure. Well, I mean, that's like a, you know, so, you know, in a way they're related, but they're also separate issues. So one is um, your wife, if she is controlling with the kids, that's just bad in general. We don't controlling. I actually talked about on Monday an article and I posted it on my Facebook page about how bad psychological control is on children as they grow into adults. So I would be concerned about that. And even, yes, you're right, it could affect the way your son might feel about the opposite sex because it's the opposite sex parent and relationships in general. And we want to be aware of that. So I would talk to your wife about that, not in a punishing way, but that we want to be aware of this, that that can have an effect. Now, your 11-year-old son, first of all, showing interest in girls, you know, they might start to show it a little bit at that age, but less. But also that they're going to express it to the parents. That's not always the case. They might feel embarrassed or shy about it. So you might not see any of it, but don't think that means it doesn't exist. And don't try to pull it out of him or have him try to show you that he does feel that way. Because kids, even they become teenagers, they feel, oh, I don't want to tell my parents. It's embarrassing. They're going to make it a big deal or they're embarrassed about the situation. They're shy or they're not sure how to talk about it so i wouldn't put a pressure on him to share those things with you and at the age of 11 most of his friends are supposed to still be boys or i don't want to say supposed to but it, it is more typical that you see that but your wife again that's something that it's a bigger picture issue it's not just about this interest in girls and how he expresses that and i wouldn't put everything about him not showing anything about that but the controlling behavior of course is not going to have a, a positive impact on the kids in general in a variety of ways because uh, um, talking or listening to to some of your dad's uh, conversation with mm -hmm. uh, callers, I've noticed that um, uh, some callers have some some kind of uh, um, sexual maybe uh, 
a lack of interest into, especially about men, lack mm-hmm. of interest into opposite sex or even sexual dysfunctions, and your dad kind of relates it to the controlling mother. Sure. So I was, I was wondering about, I was kind of concerned about that, uh, that that component yeah. into my son's lack of interest into girls. Right, and so. So as I was saying, you know, the the controlling behavior from the mother, of course, that can have a big impact, not just on sexual relationships, but in a lot of other areas. You know, it's it's not going to be good for anything. It's going to hurt in a lot of different ways. But as I was saying, I wouldn't look at your son as having a lack of interest yet because at the age of 11, he's not openly telling you about girls or hanging out with girls. So we don't want to jump to that conclusion yet that he's even doing that. But yes, the controlling behavior, if, if that's what's going on, you're, you're absolutely right. That can have a lot of detrimental effects on all three of your children in, in a variety of ways. And I would be aware of that. But I wouldn't look at him being 11 years old and not showing you a strong interest in women or the opposite sex as some sign of that yet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so so if if, if that is not the, the maybe I, I, I shouldn't be worried maybe at this age then when do you think i would be i would be concerned if i don't see any traces of that well i mean i think i wouldn't i wouldn't worry too much about it because again a lot of kids don't share it with their parents so it's not that you know don't be looking for it too much that he has to show you a strong interest in women or something is really wrong i would be more concerned in the present moment about if you think your wife's behavior is controlling that that's something that again i'm I don't look at it just about this sexual issue, but in general, it's going to affect your kids and it can affect them in a, in a bigger picture way. So I wouldn't say, okay, I'm waiting till he turns 13. And if nothing happens by 13, then I'm really concerned. I would be concerned about it now. If you think that's something that's going on, talk to your wife working together of how you can, you know, make things better for the kids in general. And that uh, futile, you know, uh, um, mentality or, or kind of, passive uh, um, um, reaction toward the things that he wants. Is this something that you believe would, would change with, with, with age or how do we, how do we, I, I don't, I don't want to see him um, finding his way through solving yeah. problems, but by, by kind of, um, right, that, by not uh, taking the responsibility himself. No, no, but, let me give you an example. For example, last last season he was he he wanted new soccer shoes. Okay, and he can didn't, I he let me come. hold on one second because we got we're actually way past the commercial break and I want to give you the chance to finish. So just hold on the break. We'll talk after the break. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're listening to In Session with Doctor Fadi Talakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to him. Caller, are you still there? 
Uh, yes. All right. So now you know we're, you started off asking about your son in a specific question, and it usually is the case. We can focus on that specific question, but then we want to really take a look at the bigger picture. And there seems, at least from your side, your concern is about your wife being controlling and how that might be affecting your son. To me, more in general, I know you're focused specifically on romantic and sexual relationships, but you were about to say a story about your son wanting new soccer shoes. Yes, the, the this is kind of a, maybe a separate issue from the from the uh, first one that I mentioned, and, and that's his futile uh, approach to wanting things. So, the example that I was going to bring is uh, that uh, last, last last season he wanted new soccer sho- new soccer shoes, and it was just a few weeks before the end of the soccer season, mm-hmm. and uh, we told him that uh, you are growing. Uh, and it's better that the shoe that you have used so far, you use it for the, first, the remaining few weeks. And after that, when your feet has grown, we buy you a new shoe. And he started to cry. Oh, you you don't care for me. You you guys, you know, but don't see that I'm, you know, these shoes are tight for me. So he starts to cry or nag and, you know, isolate himself. So this is his approach. And a lot of times, this is his approach of wanting things, and that's not that. I would like him to be more assertive, and or I, I cannot expect him to be logical at this age. Well, you can expect much, him to be logical, and but you know, I, I'll tell you what though. When you say the way he's approaching things, and if you're saying your wife is controlling, and and again, I'm going to just have to take your word for it at now at this point. Yes. But then, of course, he has to find these ways to try to get his way. Because being assertive doesn't work with someone who is controlling and has more power over you. So he can't be assertive if your wife, you're saying, is controlling. And maybe you are too. I don't know. But if your wife is controlling, then if she goes, he goes to her say, you know what, Mom, I'm thinking this. Well, if someone's controlling, they say, no, it's this way. So, of course, he has to try to become manipulative to try to get his way. Because if he just directly asks for what he wants, he doesn't get what he wants. Or he doesn't feel like it's even listened to. So maybe in other areas, I don't know, maybe his feet really were hurting with these shoes. And although it's the end of the season, maybe you could have just accepted to buy him shoes anyway. If it depends on how his feet really were growing and what was going on. But, you know, I want you to be aware that what you're talking about might be related to that same issue again. If there's a lot of this sense of control in the house, then he's going to feel, you know, like you said, you keep using the word, I think, futile. But yeah, he doesn't feel very powerful and empowered because he can't get his way. But he's going to try to come up with roundabout ways, you know, we could even call it manipulative ways, indirect ways to get what he wants because he can't directly get what he wants. He can't directly ask for what he wants and expect a positive response. Yes, that component I understand. But Mm -hmm. my my question was that is this going to change by his age or or, or what? Well, I I mean, as he gets older, of course, we'd assume he's going to become more... It, the developmental pattern is that he becomes more independent and stronger, but also as parents, we have to foster that development. You know, we can't continue to control him. I would actually say that it, that article I shared, it's on my Facebook page on, on Monday night. It's still there. So if you go to my Facebook okay. page, read that article about psychological control. But you see how negative of an impact it has when we try to control the way our kids feel or think or what they want to do. And how it just makes them so much more unhappy even as adults. So it doesn't just go away because he gets older. Because you're teaching him a way of relating to the world. That, okay, 
The world doesn't give you what you want. You can't ask for what you want, so find a way to get it. Rather than you say, okay, son, tell me what you want. And he says, you know, Dad, my feet really hurt with these shoes. And then you could see them, and if you agree with them, you say, okay, let's do that. If not, you talk to him, hey, what do you think? Do you think you could last a few weeks without the shoes or not? And you have a conversation. He can be logical. Kids at five and six can be logical, or whatever age they can be logical. So I don't want you to say he can't be logical. Is it that he's going to have a harder time than an adult at times? Yes, but not that you can't have a logical conversation with him. So you want to actually logically communicate with him and your wife as well to let him express himself and make decisions on his own, um, tell you guys about how he's feeling and communicate with you guys. But the more he feels controlled, the first of all, the more he feels like it's not up to him, the world you know, either gives him things or doesn't, which takes away his sense of responsibility of his own life. And this is something we see in a lot of adults. They don't think they're responsible for what happens. They can either blame someone or blame something that caused their suffering, but they don't think, okay, I'm responsible to make things better. And that's why we want to give your son actually more and more responsibility for what he goes through in his day-to-day, especially as he's getting older. Mm-hmm. So I, I would think about that bigger picture issue. And even, you know, we don't want to just blame your wife as like, okay, she's the controlling one. That's the problem. You want to look at how are you contributing to this situation to either are you also controlling or if you're absent or not involved enough, then it allows for that influence to be more, and we don't want to let that happen either. So I would look at some of the bigger picture dynamics you guys have going on here um, with your son, and if you're noticing that pattern of him, you know, just kind of not feeling empowered, that is something important, that if he feels like he can't cause what he wants to happen in his life, he'll carry that with him, and I wouldn't just think, well, he's going to grow out of it, and when he grows out of it, then he's going to be this strong, independent man that, you know, does everything he can for himself we, we want to give him from it doesn't just uh, start out of nowhere we want to start developing that from a young age uh-huh. so this is basically it's, it's not something that as you said they will age, age that out it, it, they, they need to practice and 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 kind of uh, learn how to how to be more assertive and 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 uh, and uh, basically express what they want in, yeah. in a positive way. And, and right, and it's not just about learning. The learning is important, like learning how to do it, but what's even more important than that is how we respond to it, showing them, oh, when you do that, it matters. It has an effect. We care. And yes, you know, age does, you know, time and age can heal things, but only if we allow it to do that. So if he continues uh-huh. to feel like whatever I do doesn't make a difference, my mom and dad control everything, what I say doesn't matter, he's not going to do that. But if you allow him to see, okay, when he communicates, you guys listen to him. When he's assertive, it gives him positive results. It reinforces ways of being. And he has to be ready that if for these first 11 years, if things were another way, it's going to take some time, but better late than never and to get that started. So I would look at that bigger picture issue of how are we raising him to feel that what he says and feels matters and teaching him to be assertive and reinforcing him being assertive rather than holding him back or making him feel bad. Okay. All right. The thing is that I, I believe he is in that state of, you know, stage of uh, I'm not okay, the others are not okay either. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, that's that's the concern yeah, I have. I, I, 
yeah, I'll, 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 and I and I do my best to help him out of that. So I encourage him to initiate things. You know, uh, when we go, for example, shopping, I now I let, let me, him do the shopping. I, him, I, he, sorry, hey, I, do, I hate know, to cut yeah. you off because I'm actually at the end of my time for the show. I do have to wrap okay. up and get out of the studio. But you know, that's good. You want to give him those those chances to have that independence and to be involved. But it's gonna, you know, it's gonna take take some time and we want to encourage that more and more and you want to talk to your wife and make sure you're on the same page about it that we want to promote this but it's not going to be easy for her to change if you're saying she's being a certain way and we have to be ready for that and not blame your son too much for him being so weak or him being futile and all of those things but recognize it's a product of the environment Uh, appreciate you calling in maybe we could talk some more another time thanks a lot Uh, thank you my My pleasure have a great day take care bye-bye All right. Again, the book for this week, Mindset by Carol S. Dweck. Hopefully you'll join me in reading that for next week. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. Oh, it's Rahman's birthday tomorrow. He's in the studio with me. So, Rahman, happy birthday. Thank you for always being so great with me here. Wish you all the best. Thank you to all the callers and listeners, everyone out there. Have a wonderful day. 